it is time to unleash that warrior inside of you. Are you ready? Welcome to the first episode of Be Beautiful Adaptive Warrior. I'm your host, Angie Huser. Have you ever had one of those moments? It was an eye-opener moment. And maybe you didn't realize it when you were in it. But looking back, you went, aha. Yep, that's where my life went from being on the train tracks to where I knew I was going and veering off to the right. It felt like a cartoon when you see the train track being shifted and the train changing direction swiftly. That's what happened to me back in 2013. And this today is my story on where I've been in my journey. Um, so you kind of have an idea of where I'm going. So if I were to begin at the very beginning, like I said, it was 2013. I had been doing Taekwondo with my two boys and was actually pre-testing for my second degree black belt in 2013, May of 2013. During the sparring episode, I went to kick someone in the head and heard and felt a really loud pop in my knee. Um, went down and knowing me, um, what you may not know, uh, if you've never met me, um, I gave myself a couple minutes to recover, got back up and continued to spar. However, I couldn't stand on that leg, which then meant that was going to be my kicking leg. And I prefer to kick over punch. So I spent the rest of that time um, sparring this one person um, and kicking with that leg. Um, and then we moved on to a two-on-one sparring. And I continued to kind of shift around and, and, and jump around on my right leg while my left leg, the injured leg, was used to kick and to keep people back. As if that wasn't enough, um, we went on to doing our weapons form and our, our, um, our regular form, our Taekwondo form, in which there's a lot of jump kicks and everything. So you can imagine that after hearing a pop and feeling the pain that was in my knee and not knowing what I had actually done or how badly I had done something to myself, I used that adrenaline and just kept pushing forward. When I was finally done and passed, I iced my leg, but I knew that the next day was going to be a doctor appointment. Sure enough, went and saw an orthopedic surgeon and got the MRI and they said, good news, you just tore your MCL. That is repairable without surgery and through physical therapy. Great, I said, that's awesome because I want to continue. I have about a month or two before my actual second degree black belt test. Well, Needless to say, I went to PT. I was pushed hard. I spent weeks in PT. I think it was about four weeks. And then I went back to that surgeon and he did this movement test on my MCL. And it was still really, really loose. And he just looked at me and he said, I've never seen this. He goes, usually three, four weeks of PT and everybody feels good. Um, and things feel repaired. So he said, the only other option we have is to do some surgery on that. I'll go in, repair your MCL, and then you should be good as new. 
well, I've never had any surgeries before. So this is my first one. And um, needless to say, it was a very painful one because what ended up happening was when he went in to repair the MCL, it was so damaged and so torn apart that he did a hamstring, hamstring augmentation on it where basically he cut a piece of my hamstring out and used that as an MCL ligament instead of a cadaver um, part. And so um, that was a very painful recovery. And of course, right after surgery, you go into PT again. And so, you know, we're going into a couple months now since the injury. I'm doing PT three times a week. Um, definitely not what I had expected. Um, as you can guess, if I'm in Taekwondo and I'm going towards my second degree black belt, I'm, I'm an active person. Uh, I don't like sitting around. I'm a type A. I'm constantly on the go until I crash. And so having to have uh, myself laid up for so long and being told by your PT over and over again, you need to lay down. You need to have your leg up your above your heart. You've got to ice. You've got to, you got to, um, you know, I'm a mom. I had two young boys. I had a husband. Um and I needed to take care of them. I needed to do meals. I had to do laundry. And I, believe it or not, was homeschooling them. So not only was I laid up and my kids never went off to school, I actually, we homeschooled in my bedroom a lot of the times through these years that this happened. Um, they were true sports. And I know that they've become very empathetic young men because of everything they've watched me go through. And it also is a chance for me to show perseverance and strength. And so I was constantly trying to prove to myself that I could do whatever I needed to do to move forward. Well, what ended up happening was after weeks and weeks of PT, like we're talking months, um, things weren't getting better. And um, that first surgery was in July of that month or that year. I remember that. The next surgery that happened was actually not really a surgery per se, but it was a hospital visit and it was a manipulation. And basically they put you under and they just crank back your leg to snap all the scar tissue while you're under anesthesia. So that's a little frightening, I have to say, and very painful because you have to go right to PT after that procedure. So when the pain meds wear off, you're in a lot of pain. Um... Well, that worked for a little while. Everything seemed to work for a little while. PT would continue. I would get better. I'd get better. I'd strength train. I'd do more. I could handle more. Then I would plateau. And then all of a sudden, it'd be maybe a couple weeks of me starting to worry that I wasn't getting better anymore to finally realizing, okay, now I'm not only not getting better, I'm actually decreasing in what I'm doing or capable of. And now the pain's increasing and my range of motion was decreasing again. So all of a sudden that became the first pattern I noticed. December that year, right at the end of the year, I end up going to another orthopedic surgeon within that same practice because my surgeon said, there's nothing else I can do. Um, and he sent me to one of his colleagues who thought maybe a patellofemoral clean out surgery kind of would help. So they went in to check and clean out my, you know, fraying cartilage under my kneecap and around my femur. And they put in a little plate on my femur to make it glide better. Same exact thing happened. 
go through the pain of, of recovery, go to PT, continue with the PT regimen three times a week. Now you're, you're talking that I've been doing this now for six months and three times a week while I'm trying to homeschool and my kids would bring their books with them. They'd sit in the office, they'd work on their math, they'd have people sitting there waiting for their spouses or whatever in PT, helping them with their math. It was great. It was quite a community building um, experience. But um, same thing happened though. I'd start working on my PT and you know, you'd see the same pattern. I'd get better. I'd find hope. I'd see hope. I'd be excited. I could come in with a smile on my face. And then a couple weeks later, I'd plateau. And a couple weeks later, I'd start to decline. And you always knew the decline because the pain would increase and the range of motion would decrease. And that is what just started happening over and over again. Well, I will tell you, if you have no experience in the medical field with uh, doctors, once two doctors have dealt with you and there's nothing else they can do, getting another doctor to look at your knee or do anything for your knee is very hard. They don't want to be a part of the mess that was created. They don't want to be blamed for anything. And I get that. Um, but if you know me, and I'm hoping by the end of this episode, you'll know me. Um, I'm not the kind of person that was looking for a lawsuit or blaming anybody. I just realized that this was what my body was doing. And I didn't realize then, like I said at the beginning, what I was being taught in this journey until now. So I spent probably another six months, seven, eight months. So it's been over a year now of going to PT. My PT never gave up on him, up on me, which was awesome. Um, he also had a lot of hope, a lot of years of experience, and would reach out to other doctors to find out what else that it could be. Um, in the meantime, I was doing my due diligence and I was researching other doctors. I was actually starting to look at my post-op report notes and dissecting the medical terminology and Google searching what those terms meant so I could get an idea of what in the world was going on with my leg. Every doctor I went and saw, some of them wouldn't even, I couldn't even get past the receptionist on the phone when they found out that I had done this or that. And they said, nope, he won't see you um, based on that you've already seen this doctor or that doctor or because of this or that. But I finally got into a couple. And even then, when I could actually see the doctor, they would, they would put up their hands and say, there's nothing I can do. If he couldn't do anything, there's nothing I can do. And that was, I mean, I remember leaving several doctor's offices in tears because I knew this was not the life that I wanted or the plan I had for myself or where I saw myself in 20, 30, 40 years from now. But I was starting to get a glimpse of a very bleak future. Fast forward another couple months, I finally found a doctor who said, well, let's check for an infection. Wow, I never had heard that. Went and checked, no infection. I even went for allergy testing, thinking that maybe the parts that were put into my body were actually something I was having a reaction to. No allergies. This guy said, hey, you can live the way you are with all the pain meds you're on. And there were opioids. And that was horrible, especially when you're a homeschool mom trying to keep it all together. Or we could just get rid of all that hardware and I'll do a knee replacement. And at this point, I was desperate. And I thought about it, not for too long, maybe a couple days. And I finally said, yep, let's do this. 
My family was on board, not totally sure, but didn't know what else we could do. So I went in for a knee replacement. Same exact thing. I was doing really well for the first couple weeks. Then I had a couple weeks where everything started to plateau in PT. And then all of a sudden I couldn't bend my leg anymore. I couldn't straighten my leg anymore. I was limping and hobbling and there was a lot of pain. And it wasn't until that report that I looked into to see what they had written that I saw a word that I hadn't seen before. And that was arthrofibrosis. And you can guess what I did. Jumped right on a Google search. And what is this that they're talking about? about? And basically, it's what we kind of already knew but in a a bigger sense, I knew that I scarred quickly. And that's basically what arthrofibrosis is. It's hyper scarring um, within a joint, usually with knee joints and under a lot of trauma. Well, not knowing this, every surgery where they opened me up big and did a lot of stuff in there, it was just doing more damage than good. So after I figured this out, I called another doctor because something still didn't feel right. Something was hurting more so than than the other ones. And when I went in and got a really thorough MRI, we found out that one of the parts was in just a little bit off, a little bit crooked. So it wasn't rubbing through the joint movement wise, wasn't smooth. So guess what? That led me to a knee revision. You know, you're talking, I was about 45, 44 years old, doing a second knee replacement and hoping upon hope. And this was the time when my wonderful PT that I had had for about three years looked at me and said, if this surgeon has someone that he relies on as a PT, I want you to go with it. Not because I'm giving you up, but because I need you to see someone with fresh eyes that can see you from a different angle. He goes, I have exhausted all of my resources and I want the best for you. So I can tell you right now that building a medical team that is honest with you, sticks by you, but knows when you need something more, that's the team you want. So I did. I moved on to a different PT that the surgeon used. And that's always a good thing because you want the surgeon and the PT to be able to talk back and forth. And they they were working with each other really well. So I went to this PT. And I'll tell you what, for the first time in my life, I got back to a 120 degree bend in my leg. Um, Normally, my other leg, my good leg is about 140 degrees. And I was like, yes, I'm on the road to recovery. That's all it took. This is awesome. But guess what happened? It took a little bit longer. But yep, you got it. Same exact thing. I plateaued. All of a sudden, I wasn't coming in at 120 degrees. I was coming in at 115, 110, 95. All of a sudden, I couldn't even bend my leg to 80 degrees. And the pain was increasing. The swelling was really bad because the scarring was taking over my entire knee all the way around. So my calf was swollen all the time. And there was just other concerns. Now I wasn't getting the blood flow to my leg. Well, we pushed through and pushed through. And again, I will tell you and reiterate, your medical team is very important. Uh, For them to be able to see you through things with heart and soul is so, so important to your recovery. 
So this PT um, actually had several different options for me. He took me to several surgeons. And I tell you, he met me at doctor appointments. So he could be there to be my medical words and to be my ears so that he knew that there was nothing lost in translation talking to these doctors on what can we do? What's wrong? What's happening? And I tried several different injections. I tried, I tried everything. I mean, I tried even holistic doctors. I mean, I did everything. Uh, I've had many doctors say that I did 110% more than most of their patients. I left no stone unturned. Um, it finally came to a doctor who works only in these here in Arizona, who suggested that we try a scope. If arthrofibrosis was the problem, let's scope. Let's pull out the scar tissue through scoping. That way we are less invasive. And I'm like, let's do it. It's my last hope. So, <laughs> went in for that surgery. Now, there is nothing more alarming than to go in with one surgery and wake up and hear, so it didn't go as we thought. Well, that's what happened here. This doctor did the scope holes, and he told me I couldn't even get the scope in. There was so much scarring, I had to open you up. And I went, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. That is the last thing I needed. This was supposed to be a scope, so there was no invasive surgery. So he had to open me up. He goes, and not only that, you had so much scarring that I actually broke three of my saws cutting it out. I've never done that before. So I knew we had a problem. The problem with this was I didn't know where to turn from there. I healed up from that, continued with my new PT, worked on that as much as I could. Um, we are now at about 2017, and I was beside myself and we decided to take a trip and get away um, to Disneyland, take our kids to Disneyland, California. And that was sobering because all this time I've kept hope up. Yes, there were times, yes, pity parties, uh, a lot of times in the shower, crying, 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 wondering what I was going to do with myself. But when it came down to it, hope is all I had and my faith that there was a bigger plan for me. When we went to Disneyland, that's when I realized the problem I had. Um, there's nothing worse than going with your kids when they're they're almost growing out of doing the rides with their parents and you can't fit in the rides because your knee doesn't bend enough. That was heartbreaking to sit in line, sit in line, get in there and look at your husband and go, I can't, I can't sit. And only to be escorted out to the other side and wait for them to finish the ride together. Um, that was heartbreaking. Um, I love doing everything with my kids, as you can guess, because we were doing Taekwondo together. Well, now I couldn't even do the rides. And then it became like fearful. I, I don't want to sit in line if I'm not going to be able to fit. And I don't want to be that person. And then all of a sudden have to leave out of the line and go another direction. That summer, we decided to take a trip to Paris. And flying was hard. I had to worry about, I always worried about blood clots because I didn't have good blood flow. Well, when we got to Paris that summer, um, of 2018, um, I thought walking around Paris, which was hard because like I said, I was limping, I couldn't straighten my legs, so it was shorter than my other one. And there was pain involved because anytime I maybe stubbed my toe or tripped or moved funny, I was tearing scar tissue. So I was in pain all the time. There was a point where I felt a really sharp pain in my calf. 
Now, I have had a blood clot in my leg before, same leg. And I know what it feels like. It is so painful. And I ignored this because I thought because I was walking funny, I probably just pulled a calf muscle. And um, I spent the whole week dealing with that pain. And then flying home, I just remember being sick as a dog. I mean, I was throwing up. I don't throw up on planes. That is a humbling experience. If you've ever experienced that, I had a window seat and had to get through two people with a bad leg that hurt and sick, sick, sick. Well, got home that Friday, went to a couple um, concerts, had a great time, tried to uh, do anything to be feel normal, right? And to forget the pain. And on Monday, I remember going to see my pain management doctor, just to tell him where I was at and everything. And he just looked at me and said, I'm going to stop you right there. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I want you to go to the ER right now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he goes, uh, no, I think you actually have a blood clot. And I said, no, it can't be. It doesn't feel like one I've had before. And he goes, well, if I'm wrong, you can be mad at me, but I want to send you right to the ER. Well, that night, my husband and I actually had a date planned. And he was at work and I wasn't going to tell him I was going to the ER because I knew it, was, pff, it wasn't a blood clot. There's no way it was a blood clot. So I'm not going to make him worry. He's working. I'll just talk to him at the date. Of course, went to the ER and you guessed it, a blood clot. But the pain I was feeling in my calf, that wasn't there anymore. It's because the blood clot had shifted and was already up behind my knee within the scar tissue. To say that was a change in my thinking at that moment in time is an understatement. I sat there and processed it. You know how long it takes in an ER. And I processed everything. What does this mean? What is this for my future? And you have to understand that this whole time I had whispers in my head, literally from after surgery too, when things weren't looking right, that was amputation a possibility? And I was like, no, come on. It's just, you just, you kick someone in. It was an MCL tear. That's ridiculous. That's not why people get amputations. But when I got to the dinner date, and yeah, I was a few minutes late because it took a while to get um, discharged from the ER, I just looked at my husband and I started to cry in the restaurant. Here is my, I'm trying to drink a glass of wine, trying to keep my cool, keep myself together. And I just cried. And I said, I can't live like this anymore. I said, I, I can't take the dog for a walk. I don't go out with the kids for hikes. I'm not skiing with you guys. I watched my kids ski for years while tears dripped down my face, watching them take off and go up the chairlift with their dad while I sat back and just hung out in the lodge. I got to tell you, that's heartbreaking when you've helped teach your kids how to ski, not to be able to ski with them. It's heartbreaking to do that year after year after year. So now not only could we not bike or ski or hike or even walk down the block to the, get the mail. Um, now my husband was like, well, maybe we just can't be flying anymore. Are you kidding me? Like my family lives in Illinois. I'm in Arizona. We travel to all over the place t just to get away. And when my husband was to retire, we were going to go and see things, right? We're not going to be able to drive everywhere. Can't drive to Paris. 
So I just looked at him and I said, uh, I think this is the moment. I think this is the moment those doctors that have told me that amputation might be a possibility, but I was too happy-go-lucky. I was too hopeful that that wasn't the right time. And they told me, you will know when the time is right. Well, sitting there in that restaurant with my husband, I can see it as clear as day right now that that was the moment. It was July of 2018. And I said, I've hit that dark place. This is the moment. There's no turning back here. I think this is the only option I have if I want to try to live a full life. He agreed because we wanted to live our life. We wanted to get out and do stuff. So, plan set in motion. Now was time to research doctors and needed someone that had the expertise and the knowledge base um, for such a, um, a surgery. Um, I did go and see three different doctors. I got three very different messages. One doctor who was my first choice had seen me before, couldn't help salvage my leg in the past, about a year prior to this, and at this point said, yeah, you've gotten to that point. This is your best option, I believe. But I didn't want to just go with that. I wanted to make sure. I wanted to hear different opinions. I wanted to see different thoughts on the situation. So I went to another one, said I just wanted your opinion on this, and you know, God bless his soul. He wanted to help me and thought, well, maybe I can fix her. And I entertained that for a little bit, but you have to understand that I was already years into this and I had exhausted every option I could think of. And I had talked to so many different people um, that I really wasn't ready to try to be fixed again because I knew that that meant another surgery, that meant healing, that meant watching myself go really well to plateauing to tanking again. And so I went through one of the hoops that he wanted to try. Um, and of course, it came back as a non-help. I, I can't even remember now what it was he had me do, but he's like, just try this and we'll do this non-evasively. It did not work. Nothing changed um, at all. And I knew it just because I'd been doing this for years. Um, when I went back to him and he's like, let's try this. And I said, do you know what? No, I'm past that point. This is where I'm at. Then he just shifted and said, okay, let's, let's amputate. And at that moment, that's when I was like, whoa, buddy, <laughs> you know, I know you're a doctor, but like, how many have you done? And, you know, the answer was, you know, a, a few. And that was not the answer that I wanted. I, as much as it's gruesome, I wanted the doctor I chose to have hundreds under his belt, that this wasn't his first rodeo. And the fact that this doctor shifted from, trying to save me to go, okay, let's do it, um, was a red flag for me. And it should be for you. Like he, she shouldn't have shifted gears so quickly like that. It was just too much. So I thanked him and I went on my way and I went to a third doctor. Now this one, some of you might be able to relate to, and I want to speak especially to this one. I'm already in a very vulnerable spot at this point. Um, you, when you think of amputation at this point, I'm like, yeah, 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 I've been there, done it. But when you're going through the thought process, you can't even fathom your life without a leg 
or the idea of what an amputation must look like in a surgery room or anything like that, it's it, it's really it takes you to a very different place in your, your mind. So going into this, I was already nervous, skeptical, worried. Uh, was I doing the right thing? I, I can't get it back. Um, thus my title today, which is starfish arms and lizard, le- uh, lizard tails, um, they grow back. Once you do an amputation, it ain't grown back. So I had to be ready for that. And I had to know that this was forever. If I lived to a hundred, I had about 60 years, well, just under 60 years to deal with that. So this third doctor, I went in, his assistant measured my range of motion and was stunned like I had none I think I had 20 degrees total range of motion that's not a lot I couldn't go straight at all and I couldn't bend past I think maybe 45 degrees at this point and he was just like wow this is bad and I said yes it is when the actual doctor came in he looked at me he looked at my leg didn't look at anything else and he said nope I won't do it And he goes, and you know what? If you do it, you'll never walk again. I I was shocked. To say the least, I was shocked. I couldn't believe the doubt he was able to throw into my face being a doctor. You know, we look up to that and think, okay, they know what they're talking about. They're in this field. This is their specialty. And when he said that, it just was like a gut punch for me. Some of you may have been dealing with things like that in the medical field where someone will tell you, you can't, it won't happen for you. And I am here to tell you, you can't be listening to that. Each person is different. Each situation is completely unique. So you can imagine, to my surprise, that when that doctor said that to me, I just looked him in the eye, I smiled, which... I was actually ready to punch him, <laughs> to be honest. Use my taekwondo in that in that moment. Um, and he said, "But I suppose I, I guess my face must have shown it because he looked at me and he just said before I could say anything to him, he said, "But I guess you'll prove me wrong." And I was like, "Wow, that was a little arrogant." And so I just said, "You bet you I will," and I walked out. And by the time I hit the parking lot, I sobbed because I was already trying to deal with this huge monumental decision. He was the only person that actually said, you will never. And I was, I I couldn't believe it. Now, I could dwell on that negative, but I can tell you two things with certainty. Number one is, I'm the kind of person that if you tell me I can't, I will show you I can. And I believe that that was part of the faith, my faith and my belief um, that that person was put there to light a fire under me. And yes, he did. It was successful. The second certainty is, I will tell you again, your medical staff, you choose to surround yourself and you do get to choose is the most important thing you can do in the midst of something like this. The first thing I did when I got in the car is I sucked it up and I called 
the prosthetist that my first surgeon put me in touch with so I could have a peer-to-peer and kind of talk because he also was an amputee and he'd been for 20 years. I called him and I just said, I need to talk to you. And he's like, what's up? And I'm like, this is what was just said. He goes, are you kidding me? Don't you listen to him? Don't you listen to him? You see me, I play basketball. I do this, I do this. Don't even think about it. Don't think twice. And that was so reassuring because I needed a friend who'd been there and who was living his life. And that was key at that moment in my journey. Second thing I did, I called the first doctor, the one I had a feeling I'd probably go with to confirm with him that I wanted to see him one more time, ask a couple more questions and to schedule. So when I called them, I was like, hey, I'm just wondering, is he around? Can I get with him? And they're like, we actually have an opening in 30 minutes. And it was just like it was meant to be. And I believe in that, that everything happens for a reason. And I said, I'll be there. When I got in, the nurse said to me, how you doing? And I said, well, quite frankly, I'm a little shook because I just had a doctor tell me I would never walk again if I chose this, this route of amputation. And she said, oh, you've got to tell doctor about that. And I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to rat out one doctor to another doctor, but she insisted. So I did. And when I told that doctor, he was appalled that a colleague of his and someone he actually knew would say that to a patient. So he spent a few minutes reassuring me. He knew me well enough to know I was a fighter, that I had a lot of, you know, tendencies of success and pushing forward. And then we just talked about where he'd end up having to cut me. I had the knee replacement. And so I had to remember that that stem that was going up in my femur had to be cut out. So I do have a pretty long limb but it had to be cut back further than if it was just normal and there wasn't a knee replacement and because of that post that was up in there. So left his office, scheduled. Now this is September. So it took me two months to go see those three doctors. Scheduled in September. My um, surgery was December 13th of 2018. So now, (laughs) if you thought that was the hardest part, no. Spending September, October, November, and part of December thinking about your decision is awful. And it took everything in my power not to feel like I was going nuts because I was one day thinking, I can't wait, this needs to end. And another day thinking, what have I done? What am I doing? What happens if? What happens if? All the what ifs really reared their ugly head in those months. Um... And it wasn't until, and it and again, I will bring in my faith, because my faith has, has helped me through all of this. There was a moment in November where I think that I just almost would have busted. I was so strung out from the stress of my decision to do this in December that something just tapped on my shoulder and said, remember, even though you're electing to do this, this wasn't your choice. This was your, this was your path. This was already a path that was chosen for you. And I believed it. And at that moment, when I embraced that thought, all the weight in the world came off my shoulders. And I started looking forward to a new path, the way my train was now heading, and wondering what possibilities were there for me. And that's when I knew I was going to be okay. Surgery came. Um, 
I woke up. This is to tell you, this is where how, how crazy that, that roller coaster was from September to December. I woke up the morning of my surgery um, telling jokes. Uh, my favorite one was when I told my husband, I'm going to weigh myself now because this will be the fastest weight loss I have ever had in my life. And I cannot wait to get home from my surgery and weigh me again. So if you're curious, my leg that got cut off was about 10 pounds. I was kind of hoping for 20 because that would have been really nice, but it was 10. I'll take what I can get. And um, so that, I mean, that's just how it was. Also with me, it seemed kind of funny because every surgery before this time, I, I get very nauseous from anesthesia. Every other surgery, I would wake up and I'd be so dopey and so groggy and really feel sick. And I, I wasn't much to be around for a few hours. Um, this surgery, I woke up, my family was able to come right in and they looked at me and I looked at my boys and I said, hey guys, how you doing? And they just looked at each other like, what is wrong with her? Like they had, they've seen me after every surgery and they had never seen me this happy. Um, that was huge because my biggest fear was how would I emotionally feel waking up and seeing my leg gone? Like it's one thing to think about it. It's another thing to wake up and all of a sudden it's, it's gone. Again, I'm not a starfish and I'm not a lizard. I'm not growing it back. So for me to wake up in that place, I knew I was going to be okay. It, it That was it. I mean, everything else is just icing on the cake for me. Um, and, and there's so much more to tell you all. And I am excited to share my story. Um, there is endless possibilities uh, for getting through pain and medical issues and stuff. And I know a bunch of you, you've, you've reached out to me and I've, that's kind of where, why I'm here, where I'm at doing a podcast, because I have spent the last two years of being an amputee talking to people on um, social media and everything. People asking me, how do I do this? How do I do that? How did you get past this? What was your thought process? And, and you know what, I wanted to share that because I want to be able to help at least one of you to let you know that this, this doesn't have to be an end. This is just a new beginning. And um, to say that I have been living my life to its fullest is an understatement. And I want to be able to share that with you. But I also want to show you how you can get there as well. Now, one of the things I've always thought about doing, and I'd like to do, is at the end of my um, podcast, I want to give you a call to action or a CTA. Um, I believe that I can talk and talk and talk. And yeah, you may listen or you may shut me off after two minutes because you can't stand listening to someone talk. But a call to action will get you thinking, get you doing. And that's kind of where I want to take you. I want to be able to tell you that, you know, it's going to take time. I do believe some people are just naturally optimistic or fighters or won't give up, whatever you want to call it. And then there are some people that that's just going to have to be learned. And um, that's all right. Um, it can be learned. So my call to action to you today, if you're ready to take on the challenge, I want you to think of something that you're afraid of, or something that you're struggling with, something that pains you. Just take one thing, if some, something that's nagging at you, Makes it hard for you in the morning to get up. You got it? Now ask yourself this one question. 
can you control what that is? If you are facing amputation or you're an amputee, no, I couldn't control it. I wake up every morning, I'm still an amputee. I can't control that. So once you realize what it is that is controlling you, and you realize that you can't change that, then you're on your way. Because what I want you to do next is I want you to realize that there is something you can control. You control how you react. And you control the attitude in which you attack that problem. So pick one thing, one thing that's gnawing at you, one thing that's stressing you out, one thing that you struggle with. If it's medical, if it's emotional, if it's whatever, if it's physical, then I want you to decide what your course of action is going to be. Are you going to be a victim to it? Or are you going to show the world what you're made of? And this is where you unleash your warrior, the warrior in you. I want you to unleash that power because you all have it. If you're an amputee and you're mad about it, well, it won't change now. But you can change the way you think about it and your perception on it. Do it. Do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till it fits you right or feels right. Start now. Write down the one thing. Scratch that off your list. I'm, I can't control it now. It's, it's done. And start listing the positives. No matter how bad the situation is, there is at least one positive. You have to get creative sometimes, but you can find it. For me, I lost my leg. And I joke that I say, well, I lost 10 pounds. That's a positive, you know, instantly. And I've never, that was the fastest diet ever. But you know what? I now, after two years, so it's not fair because I've been able to look back now on two years, but in two years, positives, I can bike again. I'm hiking. I'm skiing. I learned to surf. Um, I'm walking my dog. I'm walking with the kids. I scooter. Um, so I get to do, I choose whatever I want to do. Nothing is chosen for me or excluded from me. Just my own fears can get in the way of that. And there are some. I mean, it's hard to do things with one leg or with a very heavy mechanical leg that can really kind of weigh you down. But that fear is what drives me forward because you know what? The feeling that you get after facing a fear and accomplishing it is second to none. For you, maybe it is just walking down to your mailbox for the first time because you've been wheelchair ridden or you haven't been able to walk. Then you know what? That's the one. Do it. So find your positive. For some of you, it might be a mental hurdle. And maybe this is the time where you need to tell yourself you are perfectly made. You are a warrior and made the way you were meant to be. There's no one else like you, and that's a good thing because we don't need multiple of the same people in this world. Can you still smile? Then smile at someone today because you don't know what they're going through, and maybe you can change the way they feel, and that chain reaction, you won't see it, but you'll have started it. So, call to action. Figure out something that you are struggling with. 
tell yourself you can't control it anymore, but you can control how you react or how you perceive it. And start writing down a couple positives that you can say to yourself, if you have to repeat them day in, day out, that they are a positive. Do it. And you know what? I want you to share what you've decided to tackle head on. Um, you can go to my uh, website. That is BAWarrior360.com. It'll be in the um, notes too. And share with me what it is that you're struggling with and what you've chosen to do about it. I would love to hear some of the stories that are behind the people listening. So until next time, be healthy, be happy, be you.